Awesome date. April 18th, 2011. Awesome topic. Koi Koi. This is the Awesome Cast. here at the awesome cast i'm basil i'm kevin and i'm rail and that's us now just to warn everyone we are recording a little bit early this time we're actually recording this on the same monday that we just released our last episode because of two reasons one our prestigious producer mr dj inubito is next monday is going out of town for some couple weeks so we want to make sure that we have the episode ready to release on time, so we have to get it to him before we actually, you know, release. But secondly, and both in sort of a bittersweetness to it, our very own Rail Claymeor, aka Brad, has decided that he needed to actually get employed. And so he has in the beautiful state of Texas. Which means this is his last episode of the Awesome Cast, at least until the next time we drag him in to a convention or back town. Yeah. To Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. You make it sound so melodramatic. Well, you know. If you meet any other if you meet any Allspalls in Texas, they might be that side of the family that my my dad doesn't like, so beware. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> It's important because you never know when an all spot might strike. Yeah. Yes. There's they're actually like, a lot more of us than you think. They're like thieves in the night with weird last names. Yeah. They're what, Prussian? Yeah. yeah. No, seriously, it's more than you think. I once saw another all spot in the Navy on CNN. It was weird. He was waiting for his SpongeBob DVDs in the mail. So apparently a love of animation also runs in the all spots. Uh, and a lot of love of sponges. Yes. Beautiful sponges. Ooh, and it sounds like James is going at it in Dragon Ages. So. James I, does it because he loves us. It's true. I don't even know if the mic's even picking it up. I don't know if the mic, I don't know if you can hear it going on in the background, but we certainly can. We'll find out when we actually hear this. I well, suppose. <laughs> but now, your awesome update. Awesome cast is going to be at MTAC. Well, pressure didn't exist then, anyways. But yes, we will be at MTAC. Yes, and we have panels, which we mentioned last time. But you're now going to get a refresher of those, because we want people there actually filling seats. Now, wouldn't that be neat? Yeah, that would be. You know, it's uh, nothing worse than a panel with nobody who shows up, or, you know. Like that one we did at OhioCon last year. Yeah, I wasn't there. But, well, um, I, you know, even if a couple people show up in a panel, you can have fun. But if nobody shows up, you're just standing there We had, bored. like, six people for that panel. We did, but it took, like, Ten minutes to get even two or three people to show up. The problem was, was the room was so huge, where it was a room that was designed to fit like two hundred people, ah. and we had like fifteen. Yeah. If we were on the small panel room that seated like you know, thirty or forty people, it would it would would not have been too bad, but we were in a gigantic room with not a gigantic presence of con goers there. Hopefully, that won't happen at this con. With these topics, it's hard to say no. While we're starting up Friday at 2 p.m. in panel room 3. Mind you all, these things that we tell you, as of course, as of this recording, or release of the recording, two weeks old. So who knows, it might have been changed. Double check. Double check once you get there. <laughs> because they like to change things. Even the same day of. That's a all comms, really. <laughs> it is a part of the convention experience. Anyways, Friday, 
2 p.m. Panel 3. The Ingress Jamboree. It's just too much high power, man. It is. So come get your Ingress get, as both myself and Drew play loads of crazy clips. Then, following in panel room four, Friday at 6 p.m., the baddest, the greatest, the most dangerous teas ever brewed. It's tea, green and more. It's a manly tea. You, you could lose a limb. Or 12. Is Susie hosting this panel? Yes. That's what I thought. That would be correct. And then, later on that same night, also in panel room four, Friday at 9 p.m., anime's creepy uncle, Gonna Guy Kicks Your Ass. I don't have a snarky comment for that. It's Gonna Guy. It's awesome. Gonna Guy <laughs> is awesome. And that's why we're talking about it. And on Saturday, 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 getting your anime groove back in panel three, Saturday at 5.30 p.m. The best anime shows you're not watching, but you probably should be. Or maybe you are watching them. In which case you'll go, yeah, that was a good show. And that's been your awesome update. Dun -dun 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 -dun. So I guess, with that out of the way, Brad, I'm going to let you kick it off with our moments of awesome. It's a moment of awesome. Regale us with your tales of awesome endeavors in the lands of media. Talk about Archon Echo 3, Brad. That was what I was going to mention. Um... I've almost completed the game. Um, there are eight different endings, and I've gotten two of them so far, but I want to get about four or five of them before I leave, including Kokona's ending, but I doubt I'll get to that. Now, um, for those at home who don't know what the hell this crazy RPG even is... That one of them weeaboo games, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Artsinelico franchise started back in, I think, 2007... Maybe 2006. I don't know when the first game was released in Japan, but usually the, the, the game is released here in uh, North America one year later. Uh, the first, the whole premise of Artinelico is that in a post-apocalyptic uh, surface world, uninhabitable type um, atmosphere, there are these uh, three towers that exist, and each of them is centered on... Uh, this, this being called a Ravatel. A Ravatel is basically a girl slash woman who uh, uses song magic to do all sorts of things. And the three towers were created by so-called Ravatel Origins. And uh, every other Ravatel in this world is either a beta version, a Ravatel, a Ravatel, which is basically like a sort of direct copy made synthetically from her or from her DNA, whatever it is. And then third-generation Ravatels are basically the uh, the uh, Ravatel children or offspring of a beta Ravatel and a uh, human male. And the way this series works is there are all sorts of conflicts between humans and Ravatels and, and, and all sorts of stuff and, and sinister plots. And the, the anime is very fanservice-y. Or I should say the whole franchise is. They, were, they did make an anime. Uh, is there an OAV or something? There's an OAV of the first game. That's based off the first game. I, I usually say anime because I think anime. But I'm actually talking about a game now. This this whole game, this whole franchise is very like, fan service-y and, and revolves around that. And the music is also very good because the, the whole thing is about song magic. So I guess you would want a good soundtrack. Yeah, you would want a good soundtrack. And the soundtracks for all three games are, are absolutely awesome. If you have, if you've played either one or both of the first two, you need to play this game. Uh, it's called Artinella Kokoga here uh, in in North America. For some reason, Koga means last in the uh, the language, the hymnos language or whatever they use in the game. But in Japan, when I got the Japanese version last year, they, they just called it Artinella Three, the girl's song that triggers the world's demise or something like that. But they they simplified the title a little bit. Well, they both simplified it and and made it more complex. They added Koga, but yes. but the but the subtitle of it is just Yell of CL. It's not any of that. Uh, girl, this girl, that, whatever. Yet ironically, it's on the biggest box imaginable for a PS3 game. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and it was uh, it's NIS's first rated M game because of uh, purge scenes and dialogue. So you thought like the first two games were very fan servicey. Yes, uh, Why do you get a load of this one? We played a little of three. It does initially seem like the battles involve around. They made it three D. Yeah, fully three D. It involves so. tripping your female magic user to use her most powerful attacks. At least that's what I initially thought. Then I realized later in the game it's about stripping all your party members down for their most powerful attacks. Yes. Uh, some of yes. the male ones are kind of funny and or disturbing. <laughs> so is that your Artanelico moment? That is my Artanelico moment. I don't know. What's, what's awesome out there? What am I... Eh. I don't know. We get... You're talking about hyperdimensional Neptunia. Yeah, but that's, that's a little too much like Artanelco. <laughs> so why not? It's another fan servicey Weeaboo game. <laughs> Look, it's Brad's last podcast. Okay, for a it's while. all fan servicey Weeaboo, this podcast. Okay, just for Brad's sake. It makes me wonder what Basil's going to have. I, I will bring up hyperdimensional Neptunia, also in an equally biggest PS3 game case ever. It's because it comes with an art book. Um is another well it's sega but it's also a it's a combined effort between sega and several other game companies gus compile heart nipponichi software idea factory idea factory and it, it's a um it's really is the story of the console wars told in a fantasy rpg format um with uh various goddesses representing the different platforms unfortunately you're playing sega you're playing the Sega Neptune, the never-released or finished Sega Neptune, <laughs> who is now a person. The other three goddesses team up and destroy Sega, basically, who the other three represent Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony, of course. And there's four different magical worlds you travel between and have wacky adventures. And your other party members are kind of living embodiments of some of the game companies that helped work on it, like Compile Heart, Idea Factory, Nippon Ishii Software, Gust. Uh, and it's humorous. Uh, virtually the entire cast, at least the entire cast that mem matters, is female. There's a bit of fan serviciness. Uh, there's some jiggle factor. Yeah, uh, Eurogamer. I remember. I think it was Eurogamer. They reviewed it and called it typical Japanese sexism in a yeah in a in a game. But... It um, I think what really saves it is it has a fairly humorous plot um the characters make me laugh infrequently so i overlook some of the wackier aspects of the game because they're not taking it any more seriously you're probably not <laughs> going to like this game unless you like jrpgs to begin with and yes. that's who the market's target it, it, so does have a, it has a lot of walk-on don't bother levels. reading any reviews unless uh yeah. they're from sites that specialize in those yeah. kinds yes. of games yeah, it does have a lot of uh, serial numbers filed off, walk-ons by various video game characters, never called by name, but uh, uh, Master Chief from Halo, the Mario Brothers, they are all referenced subtly in the dialogue, depending on which world you're in. Uh, it also has summons of iconic Sega characters, which is bizarre, but uh, Sega made it, released on Sony, on PlayStation 3, but yeah, it's about the console wars in a very cutesy, girly format, with jiggling breasts in the visual novel-esque cutscenes. Uh, yeah, that's... Eh. Now, was Neptune supposed to be Sega's current generation system to compete with PS3 and uh, Wii Ooh. and 360? Or was well, it... Well, I, I think it was actually... I thought it was... It I was thought actually, it was I something... think, supposed to be in between the uh, Sega CD32X and the... Uh, that's what no, I thought. Or, and the Saturn? Or that or the I Saturn I thought it was supposed to be a 90s system, and then all of a sudden they decided to, like, uh, bring this prototype system that they never released back to make a video game out of it 10 yeah. years later. That's just... That's kind of weird, but okay. Yeah, it's just... And uh, Neptune's a cute enough name. Yeah. I don't know why they called Neptunia in the U.S. They left her name as Neptune in the translation so i don't know but it's uh, it gives it more of a more of a ring to yeah, put the, uh, i would call the, it kind of a guilty pleasure game latinize the uh <laughs> yeah i would call neptune kind of a guilty pleasure game uh i, I occasionally feel like kind of bad playing it but uh it, the gameplay is basically fun it's not as risque as artinelico no at, at its most risque it's about as risque as artinelico at its least risque even though they censored the cover 
on the U.S. version. Did they? They put her hand above her cleavage. Oh, yeah, they did. I, yeah, I, I the think Japanese the, um, version has that absent. Yeah, but, you I, know, if the they wanted game... to avoid any controversy, since they released it only in a special edition here, they should have used the special edition cover that they used in both the Japanese and the Korean versions, which was... Um, which was basically a white background mainly with mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, with the versions of the characters that are their normal yeah. human type. They not... either they're they're either it's either in the in game gallery or in the art book or both. I think they're they in the, the art book. I think they're they have also all the in the covers. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that cover was actually better. So, but there you but go. That's me. This is actually one last thing. It's kind of weird as I found out the game was being released in English of all places on PlayAsia.com. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Basically fun. I'll finish it one day. <laughs> I will after I'm done with Artanelico 3. I probably rambled about it more than we need to, but... uh, That's well, okay. I'm going to talk about something completely different. Oh, come on. Those... I'm going to talk about Butterflies Flowers, which is a Jose manga. Ooh, oh, Jose. Wow. That's for adult women. That's damn right it is, Kevin. And boy, howdy, is it for adult women. It's about a, about this about this girl whose name is Choco. Choco is her name. And back when she was a young girl, her family was wealthy and rich. They had a big old house and lots of stuff. And they had a manservant. And the manservant's son took care of this girl named Choco. And then the economic collapse occurred, and the parents lost their businesses and everything. And so they lost it all, except all they had left was their house, which her parents decided to sell to pay the severance fees for all their employees, including that manservant. Oh, that was nice of them. Years later, Choco has now been, you know, is now an office lady. She was hired by this important dude who loves to sexually harass her. And she gets really annoyed at by it. And then she discovers that this man, who is her boss, was also her was also the boy who used to take care of her as a child. And pretty soon they start going out. Which means he is both her servant, her boss, and also boyfriend. Comedy ensues? Comedy ensues. It is hilarious. And you also, and just to keep the you know whole thing on you know fan service, you even get to start seeing nipple in like like three or book three or four, because unlike most romantic comedies, they actually have sex. They actually well, become it is lovers. Well, targeted toward adult women, so. Yeah. But I mean, you get the whole you know madcap things of you know. The issues that all couples face, but with the whole weird thing about the whole, um, his name is brain working domo domoto domoto is his name and you know he is in equal you know measures perv and gallant servant gentleman dude and also ex special forces <laughs> well which means in later ep later later shows he's pulling out like rocket launchers pistols you know, piloting a Hind D or helicopter equivalent, just out of nowhere at some point, um, a random uh, Bazinger's head just drops into a panel. It's obviously the the you know the author here. She is a big mecha nerd, and you know it sort of shines through. And it's just a really nice. fun, goofy, awesome romantic comedy where that actually goes places. Jose, much like with Seinen, which is the same for adult males, are can be. Kind of varied in story, much more so than you get out of shoujo or shonen, or at least a bigger variation within the genre. Mm -hmm. So that sounds interesting. Basil just told me about this a couple days ago, and I, I kind of want to check it out. Now, is anybody going talk about Monster Tail? I might say that for a later podcast. I thought this whole fantasy theme going on here, Brad, I would give him some, you know, more tasteful, more adult humor, and not quite this moi moi bullshit. That they that he forces on my podcast on a daily basis. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> He's out of here. Makes me sad. I've only been on like three of your podcasts in the past year, anyway. So what are on you on a daily about? basis? 
That's we gotta we find, just have to edit it yeah. all out. He's got to find someone sure. else who's a Moe, Moe fan to kind of balance out the podcast with a kind of a different approach. <laughs> There's Alex. Yeah. I don't think Alex, unfortunately, is... He, I don't think he's public speaking material. I think it's okay, but it's just... He's even more so than I am, so you're not it's gonna... true. But if you're looking to be the Moe Moe presence on this podcast... Too bad, because Brad's it. Now that Brad's leaving, you'll never get it again. <laughs> Ever. Sucks to be you. If you have a problem with this, you can email us at awesomecast at gmail.com or leave us comments at the website, awesomecast.com or leave us a voicemail. Do you remember the number? Hell no. But it's at the website, awesomecast.com. Isn't it to something awesome line? It is, in fact, as my computer Two oh nine awesome line. I bet it is. You are correct. Oh wow! Two zero nine awesome line, or two zero nine six seven six five four six three. So yeah, there you go. Awesome line, awesome cast, and now it's long time since we actually get to our actual topic of conversation: summer wars. to one of the uh, marketing guys for Funimation. And he was saying one of the biggest things they were trying to do was they were trying to get an Academy nomination for Summer Wars, which is a wonderful movie that you have no doubt guessed that we're talking about tonight. Sadly, as you know, or do not know, you will know now, it did not receive a nomination. Didn't make a nomination. Was put forward, but no nomination. Like, Funimation pushed it hard. In fact, they delayed releasing this on DVD and Blu-ray to do their best to try and get it nominated and actually put in theaters where they could. There was there was limited screenings. There were limited screenings, basically, New York and Los Angeles. Yeah. And I will tell you right now that this movie is totally worth it. Definitely. Here's a disclaimer. If you work in IT or internet security... You will think the a lot of the core themes of this movie and how it handles technology is stupid. Kind of like how cops hate police shows, lawyers hate lawyer shows, and people in actual school choirs hate Glee. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> or perhaps you're a lawyer and you're trying to play Phoenix Wright. Some things just may bug you. Thankfully, I don't qualify for that, so I love the shit out of it. Ditto. Oddly enough, Alex likes Summer Wars a lot. Hmm. Well, Alex actually doesn't have an IT job. Okay, that's probably why. But he would know. It's like, you can't do that, that's stupid. But I guess he likes it. Well, the trick is is that one of the central conceits of the film is about this land called Oz. Wonderful land of Oz. Which is kind of like, what if Facebook married Amazon and then was polished in a go Gaia veneer. 
It's basically every social networking site you know of and some you don't rolled into one, along with online shopping. Mm-hmm. But, but the trick is, this is now the backbone for human civilization. You know, stocks are traded, utilities are ran. This is like a unifying world OS of life. Every, nearly everyone on the planet has an account. And not only do they have an account, nearly all of their business is managed through it. Like, whether it's your cell phone, your DS, or DSi, or possibly, you know, your cell phone, your computers, your laptops, everything. Internet-enabled TVs. It's all connected to Oz. And you get to have a cute little avatar that you can customize in a million ways, and you can buy stuff online that you can really have shipped to your home, and your avatar can play with, too. You know, it's it sounds like fun and, like, horrible at the same time. Uh, but... And while this is how, this is what introduced to you in the opening scene is introducing you to Oz, it's only partially about what this film is about. But it's the one thing in the story that doesn't really exist. So they introduce it to you quick to get you used to the idea. It's actually sort of a romantic comedy? It's kind of part romantic comedy, part cyber thriller. The whole idea is you got your guy named Kenji uh, Koiso. And he's a nerd. And he is really good at math. And he's almost so good at math, he almost made Olympic math. Which I guess is when you're Olympiad and want to do math, that's where you go to it's do like, math. Yeah, some kind of international math competition. He shows off his math prowess early by when asking another character his birthday. He tells them the day they were of the week they were born on, just by figuring out in his head. Sort of like the Rain Man. Yeah, well, he's about as socially functional. Uh, uh, that, that's not that's fair. A, that's not no. fair. He is very shy, painfully shy, uh, and he has a little side job doing system maintenance on Oz, but uh, along with one of his friends. And then the the girl who, of course, you know, throws him into chaos. Natsuki goes, hey, you want to come out and hang out with me for a weekend? She, with yeah. my folks out in, the, out in the boonies? She tells him they're having a big family get-together and that they can use some extra hands to help out and he'd basically just have a little summer vacation for four days for a few hours work kind of thing. Uh and he goes because the girl's cute and he wants to do her. Yeah. Why anyone? Yeah, yeah. And his friend wanted to go too, but she liked the other guy better. <laughs> and so he goes there and she introduces him to their family and announces that he's actually her boyfriend. and Beyonce even. You know, you know he's from, a, he's been schooling in America. He's a college student. He's high school. <laughs> Going to Tokyo University. Yeah. Um, and he's like, what? He's like, play along or I kill you. I mean, uh, well, not really, but play along or I kill you. <laughs> and then stuff happens and then he's given a computer problem. Well, he's given a gigantic thing of numbers. Yeah, basically, like, first night there, while he's sleeping, a cell phone beeps and he gets a weird email that's a string of numbers with a message, solve me. He proceeds to do just that. <laughs> and, you know, sends a, he doesn't, it seems like he's not even thinking about it. He just gets the math problem. It's like, ooh, math problem. And he works it out and he sends it back and he gets a little thank you. And, you know, it's, it's, he goes to sleep and doesn't think any more of it. <laughs> and that's when suddenly we start getting this shift to cyber thriller. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he wakes up in the morning and he finds out the news is blaming him for breaking the internet. As it turns out, a raging um, rogue AI has taken his his answer and is able to use it to break into the central Oz accounts is now able to start jacking, yeah. you know, accounts at will. Yeah, he um, just basically gave it the encryption key. <laughs> but, uh... And so now they have to stop it. But all the while, in dealing with the fact that they have all these family members here... For Natsuki's great-grandmother's 90th birthday. Which is the whole reason they're doing the fiancé thing is because she had made a promise to her great-grandmother to introduce him to her fiancé. Oh, no, she's her boyfriend. 
her boyfriend. Just to her boyfriend. Yeah. She decided to add fiance. Yeah. Because she actually has a hard on for her uncle. Yeah. Who is the black sheep of the family. Who's I'm fuzzy if there's any actual blood relation between the two of them, but still slightly creepy. <laughs> well, yes, though he is the son of her great grandfather and his mistress. Yeah. Uh, so probably it's still slightly creepy. I, I guess he probably wouldn't technically be her uncle, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it's kind of complicated. This is a complicated family. There's a lot of them and their kids and their kids' yeah. kids. <laughs> and that's one of the few things. Well, not one of the few things. One of the good, really good things that Summer Wars does really, really well is the whole feeling of going out into the boonies and meeting your, you know, this huge extended family. If you've ever had a in-laws or a girlfriend's family you've ended up meeting, you might be able to relate. <laughs> I think even if you have a family you don't get to see very often, yeah. except for maybe the annual family trip up to the boonies, then, you, then you'll understand. It's that same sort of feeling. Yeah. Where, you know, you've got your goofy uncle, you know, the... the mom who wants to keep control of everything somehow it's always whichever family member lives in the most out of the way place is where you gather too i don't know that must just be a rule (laughs) you know the random you know kids who will wake you up in the morning because by god you're new and therefore interesting therefore they want to play with you You are fresh meat (laughs) you know the gigantic family meals the how everyone fancy a very iconic personality but you can't remember their name is worth a flip. Yeah. Uh, but you sure know who they are when you see them. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably a lot, you either, you probably have something like that or know something, someone's family like that. It's one of those things that really, really stri- strikes out as, as goofy as they handle the, their ideas of the internet, they get this really, it really, really knocks it home. Well, the director actually based it on meeting his wife's family for the first time who is he's from a very small family and his wife's family is a huge family with a bunch of weird people i wouldn't be surprised if some of them are direct analogs every huge family has a bunch of weird people yeah well the averages are no probability actually but you know they're all interesting and easy to they're 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 easy to recognize You, you you know you may know people like this. I'm sure at least well, some of them you know my people own, like this. Uh, it reminded me yeah. of my own family gatherings when I was younger. Mm-hmm. We, My mom and I would take trips to Korea. And uh, one of our family members lived out in the countryside. And we'd, we'd have this like huge place and, and set up mosquito tents every summer just to keep the mosquitoes out. And, and have family gatherings, you know, like watermelon and all this other stuff. Yeah. So this the 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 setting of this uh, and um, this movie kind of reminded me of that so i was kind of able yeah. to relate to that and allowed me to put myself in in the shoes of uh, the math whiz what's his face yeah. Uh, it, yeah. oh well, i'm bad with is, names uh, but i can yeah. remember the characters it is you know, uh, set so, in my family's about yeah. that diverse as well it is set in ueda japan which is a kind of the boonies it's a small it's got it's a very a, small it's in nagano feel. prefecture yeah, which it, is it's just north uh, it's a bit west northwest of Tokyo, so yeah, it's a little bit out of the way. Basically, well, they had to take a train yeah. out to yeah. get there. So this is a serious oversimplification, but if you're not living in Tokyo and Japan, you kind of are in the boonies most yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it really reminded me of back when you know when I was a kid, I'd have to go up to Missouri for my mom's gigantic family reunion. And so that's when you would go to a random picnic area, and suddenly there are like 50 people. You have no clue who they are. But they're related to you. But they're all related to you, and therefore they love you. And therefore they accept you, even though you might get a little bit of hazing in there. Yeah. That's the first thing you probably want to talk about. Most people, I think, would want to talk about in this film is the virtual world cyber thriller aspect. But the part that's really going to stick with you is the family dynamic portion of the film. Which is what actually makes the film really great. That family dynamic of the film uh, almost reminds me of a, a bit of a, a Miyazaki type esque yeah. uh, feel to it. Maybe it was the animation that Madhouse did, which Madhouse did uh, a, a superb job on this, by the way. Um, As Madhouse is usually want yeah. to do. Yeah. One thing. One another thing I noted was that. Uh, Besides, besides the contrast you have between what's going on in Oz versus the real world, 
I think the fact that the family gathering was held way out in the boonies in the countryside uh, serves as a good contrast to the chaos that this uh, this rogue AI and Oz was causing in Tokyo in the urban yeah. areas, and there was flashes be- back and forth between uh, between that countryside estate and the uh, and what was happening in Tokyo with some of their relatives who were working there in various police, firefighters, firefighters, like other yeah, other capacity, uh, and, and other capacities, and I think that sir that contrast served to enhance enhance the story. Uh, yes telling setting of the movie yes, so the the ai once it has the keys to the castle as it were for oz it starts stealing people's accounts and like everyone in the damn world has their accounts on oz and is it, it steals people who work for water and power or steals people who are administrators of companies it can then screw with the electricity can screw with the traffic routing because it's all still through oz and if he has their privileges he has the privileges they have in real life essentially and so he's able to screw things up and it actually ends up being on the onus of the grandma great-grandmother to actually set it on herself to you know pull out the old trusty pen and paper and the uh the handwritten address book. The rotary phone. Get too. on the phone. <laughs> and, yeah. and start. You okay. Know, this this grandma is an awesome old lady. Um, yeah. She's from old samurai family stock. Uh, Which is that got annoying after a while. They kept referring to like they're they're really proud of their family yeah, history. That's like, apparently we were there when the Tokugawa were battling. That such is apparently such, though know. absolutely true to the people who live in Ueda. Because those two, ba- they talk. There's two battles that happen there. That that's historical fact. They are proud of those losing battles they fought. <laughs> well, if you notice, one of the things they do is they constantly wrap in the. It's called Summer Wars for a reason because they keep referring to. There's different battlefronts, as it were, that they're showing you throughout the movie. Whether it's the fighting the rogue AI in Oz, whether it's the main character guy learning to get along with you know Natsuki's family. Whether it's the you know constantly they're going they're flashing to one of the uh, family members he's a pitcher in high school and they're going they're currently in their tournament to try and get to the coach yeah. there's his mom um, who they can't drag away from the TV who's watching it all the time and then, you know and he's constantly you know pitching these more and more absurdly scored games <laughs> where suddenly there's like they're having to beat like you know ten you know runs you know later on it's like thirty or fifty runs that they're you know, the scores keep ramping up. And if you notice, every time that the crazy uncle starts mentioning the battles they fought, the number of people they, you know, the battles they refer to, the enemy, the amount of enemies constantly gets bigger, bigger, and bigger. And so it sort of gives you this sort of this behind the scenes, you know, as the battle to fight the AI is ramping up for higher stakes, the stakes for everything else is getting higher to match it. Which sort of, you know, starts building the entire movie faster and faster to sort of its fever pitch. Which I don't want to get too much into because that will suddenly, that's when we start getting into the whole spoilers territory. Yeah. I think we might have already spoiled this a little bit too much, even though I think what we've brought forth to tell you is more of the first half of the film. Yeah. So you really... I would almost argue, well, they get to it pretty quick that it's an AI. Yeah, they get. Pre- I mean, it's that's within like the first like thirty minutes. Yeah, of the you might. That is maybe the most spoilery thing I think we've said, but it, it, it's an AI. It's not just some clever hacker or something, but they they mention that today pretty quickly. Yeah. As soon as the problem occurs, they pretty they pretty quickly get to the fact this is an AI that's been that's been released. Now, as the circumstances of who made it and why it's released, that we won't get into until Where spoilers. Where it came from, what it's doing. But, I mean, the, the yeah. whole thing is covered. Right. I mean, they, they do a pretty good job of setting up a bunch of dominoes and then knocking them all down pretty, you know, pretty evenly so there's not really much in the way of, you know, hooks left untold. You get a pretty complete story by watching this film. And it's really important to mention this because this is a complete film that's totally original right that you know uh, it's an actual original animation unlike uh, the girl who leapt through time which was is the same director it it's not based on an existing story like he actually you know thought this up and i mention this because it's one of the things we need more of in anime yeah. now it, 
is, does also superficially re resemble a more refined version of the second Digimon movie plot, which, same director, but he really expanded and refined it a lot. Although I think that's probably the best Digimon movie. Uh, but Well, I think, you know, it's, it's more animation. It's more importantly in film to have more original works. Yes. Because as we are seeing in the history of cinema recently, as well as anime, we're getting more and more remakes. Either sequels, adaptations. adaptations, highly derivative films. Which, okay, it's hard to be... T you can't really be totally original anymore. Not easily, anyways. But... You can be more, you can be more creative, <laughs> and you can still bring your own ideas to the table, which right. the director did. And I feel that's really important to mention, because you know it was uh, uh, Mamoru Hosoda uh, who did this, mm -hmm. and I, I think it was really, really well. Like just the whole marriage of the crazy um, antics in Oz. By the way, you can even have tournaments and martial arts yeah. in Oz. Which is important because one of the characters we have not mentioned yet is Kazuma, who is like the ch fighting champion, who's sort of the brute force, you know, fighter in, that shows up occasionally yeah. throughout the film to try and fight the AI. And then there's the crazy climactic battle that turns out completely differently than one would expect in a film. <laughs> um, which we'll probably get to when we start getting into sports. Spoilers. Was there any more high points of the film that anyone you want y'all want to mention before we get into spoilers? I don't know. Does uh, the Hanafuda fall under spoilers? <laughs> yes. Okay. That's what I would. Well, I will say that Hanafuda does take. It is place. a reoccurring theme. The it, card it is game. a reoccurring theme that Hanafuda. the family plays, which is a uh, card game. It's kind of like if Go Fish had rules about as complex as a collectible trading card game. Uh, that's, that probably makes it sound worse than it is, but it, matching is involved. Unfortunately, if you're not Japanese, the combinations make no sense for the most part, if you're not raised around it, but, uh, it's, uh, there, there's cards with different images and lining up different cards is worth different points. <laughs> Look, the important things you need about Hanafuda as far as watching this film is that Koi Koi sounds important. Yes. And it's more important, the more energetic you say it. As it turns out, the entire world knows how to play this game. And it's not just the Japanese, even though you know for a fact that you don't know how to play this game either. I, I, I kind of, well, that's, well, well it's, <coughs> I'll say that something later. Um. <laughs> but I mean, this is, it definitely is a movie about themes. Yes. And it does a really good job of presenting these same themes in multiple variations. I said, you know, you have the whole sense of conflict and they show it in the baseball game into this war stories into the actual, you know, the family, family drama yeah. through the actual problems that are affecting real people in real life thanks to the problems in Oz. Or even in even romantic problems between the main character and the girl who he kind of likes but he has no idea if she likes him at all. <laughs> so it, it, it does a really good job of presenting a lot of these things a lot of these same ideas, but in multiple vectors. So it really feels like you're, it's a big chaotic, but yet unified whole. And, and something else that actually Kevin mentioned to me earlier before we started recording is the music's really good. Yes, it's a, uh, it's nice. I mean, it's uh, it does a good job of carrying the action along. It's dramatic when it's dramatic, times are required. Um, it's by um, Akihiko. Matsumoto, and it does a really good job of keeping things flowing. I noticed there were a lot of scenes, uh, especially when they start setting up the movie, that it's very, very bouncy, very moves from, it helps you move from scene to scene. It does a really good, you know, a job sense of, you know, going back into the boonies, you know, meet his family. It sends the right scenes of urgency. It sort of gives you more of, I think, more of a technological feel when you're in Oz. Like, it does a really good it's a good job of, you know, it's a very good score to the film. It, yes. It accompanies it very well. When it's supposed to be tense, the music builds on the tension. It's uh, when it's in dramatic moments near the end, especially. Uh, when family togetherness time must happen, the music is uplifting. And, and there's many times I was, in fact, nodding my, you know, nodding to myself, just enjoying the score. Yeah. When they were doing a lot of music playing in the background, which is not that often anymore. True. Yeah. And really can't, what should be said before moving on certainly is uh, animation style 
there's a distinct art shift between the real world and the virtual world. The virtual world's more of like almost a kind of a super flat kind of art style. Well, it's very much more. I noticed that when you're in the real world, I think they made a big effort to use as little CG as possible. Yes, it's very hand animated looking. Um, whereas, of course, in the computer world, it's all CG. Yeah. And so you get a huge contrast. And of course, you know, all the characters have the different avatars. Yes, and they some of them look more or less like the actual characters, although they usually have at least some feature that's shared with the real person. Or at least some interest. Yeah. Like, you know, the guy, you know, the, the, the boisterous uncle who also teaches, you know, martial arts yeah. to one of the kids there. He's also really fond of... He's a catch, fisherman. Fisherman catcher. Or runs a fishing squid. company. Yeah. And he brings, like, all these tubs of squid and nothing but squid. So his avatar is like a squid ninja. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> the fireman guy actually has, like, a little fire, fire dog, like a little robot fire dog. You know, it's, it's weird. Now you also realize, you know, you get a really, you know, impression that this is a big family and it's, they're really big and, you know, they're, they're in all the various tendrils of important parts of society. One guy's in the military, one guy's a policeman, one guy's a fireman. And they're all, these, these are guys yeah, who are, at you least know, one doctor, you know, very yeah. big and, you know, civic duty and it's a wide range of civic In fact, duties. that's when things start, uh, the AI starts mucking with the real world. It's the grandma and her family and all the contacts she knows because she's really old and has met all sorts of people that helps hold everything together. And because I, you could tell that when she was younger, she was a social badass. Yes. I knew how to work the people's. And speaking of working people, we're going to work into a break, and then we'll come back with all the spoilers you'd ever want, and maybe more, and lots of links. Hanafuda for the souls of the internet. Yep. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. It's so, so damn awesome. More than saying you're playing Hanafuda for the internet possibly sounds like it could be. Uh. Like, you know, and that's what I noticed that, you know, I apparently everyone in the world knows how to play this game. Because if you notice, yeah. you know, once they start really, you know, when they ramp up, when they when she gets all the souls of humanity. Like everyone from all over the world starts throwing their accounts in. It, it's the girlfriend... Love interest, she's playing Hanafuda for, and like playing account for account with the AI, trying to steal back the accounts. Yeah. And uh, eventually it happens that basically people from all over the world start throwing in. And I think honestly, they start joining in with the Koi Koi calls because they've been watching it the whole time and that's what they saw everyone else doing. That, that could be true. I'm not going to discount that. That might be possible. I think I'd be doing that too. I just, I don't know how it's played. But... Yeah, Koi Koi, whatever. Book, yeah, Koi Koi. That's, that's totally yeah. true. Yeah. I could see that. But yeah, like the, the grandmother's such a badass in this film. Grandmother is the ultimate awesome grandmother. Uh, like she remind, remind me, reminds me of my Yaya back before she unfortunately went senile. Like, Yaya is Greek for grandmother. Yeah, um, I, I see grand- elements of both my maternal and paternal grandmother as well. Oh, I can see yeah. the grandmother totally, you know, Helen. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see her. As far as the opera company goes back in the day, she was totally this. Yeah, it's a, it's a very strong... It's, in fact, almost a grandmother... Pretty much a grandmother's presence has caused the family to be kind of very female-dominated. And I, I kind of recognize that in my extended family a little bit. Like, to the point where, like, usually when the females, you know, put their foot down the bend, even no matter how disagreement there might be, they still step back and let the women take control because that's just how they're trying to do yeah. because this grandmother is so awesome. Yeah, because she might just pull a Naganada off the wall and run you through if you've offended the family honor too much. Even, if not, <laughs> even though it's not very sharp, she still might be able to pull it off. Yeah. 
And uh, the scene where she actually passes away is yeah. just really... That's just... That's the turning point of the movie. That's where I decided the AI was an evil bastard. Yeah. This movie actually makes the AI an evil bastard. Um, it, it, like, disables her heart monitor in her sleep. It Like, the thing that the doctor and the family had hooked up to monitor her vitals, it disables it. He, he might have been able to save her had it not been disabled. But... They did. They couldn't because they, they couldn't, didn't know it. Yeah, they couldn't say for sure that was absolutely true. But the AI actually recognizes that family as a threat, and with, <laughs> you know, and is actively taking it. Well, I assume the people who have seen this film or don't yeah. get on spoilers because it's spoiler yeah. territory. But you know, and that when they when he starts launching, you know, the pieces of the fragment of the yeah, this satellite, AI once it realizes that humans are dicking with it, it takes. Like control of sat tries to take controls of satellites and drop them on nuclear power plants and the house that this family lives in. <laughs> it's like, like, like it's a, when it raises the stakes, it raises the stakes. Yeah, so it's not entirely the conflict is not entirely limited to the virtual world, separate from the real world. It, it starts taking pot shots at them in real life as best it can. Uh, but and it was. It's got some really good scenes yeah. in this film. Oh, I, I love when... And really, it's our slightly nerdy, shy, socially awkward hero who actually kind of brings together the men of the family <laughs> to yeah. like to decide to try to stop <laughs> this rogue AI. I love when they like go out and get the gigantic server and the uh, and like the best computers from the guy who owns the electronic shop. And the gigantic and fishing boat. The fishing boat with the, built in, the, the generator built in, you know. And they, they throw in all the ice to here. Then the stupid idiot police idiot. Yeah. I was like, oh, we got to cool down the corpse of our dead grandmother. Which I sort of understand that, and this guy's a moron, so you I, he might not know what a server is. You just don't fucking do that. You're yeah. stupid. This guy is a moron. I mean, that, okay, I, he, he's, I, he's probably I a good local law enforcement officer, but the guy's still a moron. That, <laughs> I completely agree with the the, the, the kid. What what's his name or whatever? Kazo- Kazuma. Yeah. Yeah. When the now, he deserved way more than that. Yeah, that's that's bad. Well, back when they actually captured it, they they laid out their plan, which again parallels to one of the battles. The the story they, about the ancient battle fought by their ancestors. You way know, back when. and they they reset it up so they actually capture you know the AI. They're about to drown it. I don't know how that actually works, but they're about to drown it, and then it busts out because the server couldn't handle the the amount of you know yeah. pressure it was being put upon. By the rogue AI that was developed by the freaking black sheep dude of the family. Yeah, and unleashed on this social network site by the U.S. Department of Defense, who bought the AI and were testing it out. America, <laughs> fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, America is completely well. The Department of Defense, the American military, if True. you will, is unashamedly the villain of this film. Even though they they put them forth as the villain and. To, but beyond that, there's little actual involvement by any humans in that well, end. But I, I think it's one of those cases where they it's one of those things where they let the genie out of the bottle. They didn't yeah. quite realize what the genie could actually do. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were, in fact, just running tests. I'm sure that they had full intentions of resetting everything back to normal. Yeah. They just wanted to see, could it hack the security? They didn't know it was going to, like, you know, wreck the world if it could get away with it. Uh, no, I, I guarantee you that was one of the things that, you like, you know, I don't... I think the only thing truly malicious in this was the AI. Yeah. I'm sure that the Americans that was were just, not... The uncle just gave a computer program the desire to learn, and it turned into an asshole gamer. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. There's a lesson in there somewhere. <laughs> the old internet dickwad theory. Yep. <laughs> when you're anonymous, you become a dickwad. Yes. Or when you become a giant, super powerful botnet of doom. Uh, but, it's uh, true. <laughs> and really, this tells us the danger that Facebook faces to us as human beings. Yes. We cannot let Facebook take over our lives, people. <laughs> That's what this film has taught me. Even though I just reactivated my Facebook account uh, like a few weeks back. But, <laughs> but if you let Facebook take over everything, Facebook will be evil. No, we need, we need you know other social network sites to combat them like Twitter which is like Facebook got the crap don't put all your eggs in one basket because it seems in this universe that this movie took place in everything was through Oz and there was nothing else yeah 
I, I, although, since we're in spoilers, I do have to say my absolute favorite, 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 favorite moment of the film. Most favorite of all. Where the main character breaks a 2056-bit encryption code in his head. Yes. In his ultimate math moment of triumph. <laughs> in about 20 seconds. <laughs> it's true. Well, I assume that he's, he's, he's gone through these same equations. So yeah, well, already. yes. The first time it took him, like, hours on paper. And he yeah. got progressively faster. Because I'm assuming it follows a similar format. Once he got the basic idea, it became easier. But, yeah, at the end, he, like, he finally has, he has to do it one more time. He's, like, already broken it, like, about two or three times in a row. But this time he does it in his head. And gives himself a nosebleed. <laughs> like, it is oh, such a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Madhouse really did just do an outstanding job of animating every little bit, nook and cranny of this thing. Be it <laughs> real just, world but, or virtual. You know, I mean, when you see like the iPhone, you know what the iPhone is. Yeah, there are iPhones. <laughs> Total like, product you know, placement. Um, like, well, I think like I think there was no like random Englishy. Get, let's get away from you know copyright stuff in this film. No, uh, no. It was Everything all actual was... stuff. Also, yeah. in fact, there was some, uh, for the most part, there was actual English text and some English voiceover that are part of the original Japanese film, and they yeah. were all pretty good. They were not really, they were not Englishy. Like this, uh, this film really went out of their way to make the actual realistic parts of this film about as realistic as they could in you know, in the realm of animation. Yeah, it it was good for the most part. You know, mostly realistic character designs too like, except in the virtual world but you wouldn't expect it there i mean everything still is a little bit it's still, it's still anime it's oh yeah it's goofy, um, but, you know. yoshiki sadamoto sakamoto it's the character designer of evangelion yeah uh, yoshiki sadamoto and some various other gynax works for the most part which is kind of weird seeing him not on a gynax project but he, he uh, does stuff that's non-gynax yeah. He, he, he the did a lot designs. of the character designs for uh, it, a lot of stuff that b-train animated yeah. such as madlax and uh the hack. Yeah. So. But it, it looked not. It was very nice. His trademark on. is basically the hexagonal eyes. Yeah. That's a no. Uh, we have done Ava wall scrolling here, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a good film. It's a good film. It's a fun film. It's filmed definitely, as long as you realize that the computer stuff is totally crazy. So I mean, I mean, Oz, I think it's why the reason why they called it Oz. Yeah. It's because, as far as computers go, this is a fantasy world. This is a fantasy realm. I mean, by punching in keystrokes, you know, um, Cosmo was using his character to do crazy, you know, kung fu martial arts action. Yeah, and the vir- the virtual world characters were able to do anything a human could do, any kind of motion or gesture, and more so. And sometimes nobody had anything more than a cell phone or a DS. You know, and fly and, and fly. use magic powers and yeah. do whatever they needed to do. Like, it was just a totally no fantasy realm that has no basis in reality whatsoever. It was, it was just analogs yeah. to let you understand what was going on. It, in it the was good way for a dramatic narrative. I, and in fact, I actually was reading something of an, interv- uh, one, an interview with a director that said something to the effect of, for a lot of ways, for modern Japan... Oz is almost the reality, and the uh, ideal, the uh, rural is more the fantasy for a lot of people who live in urban Tokyo. It, that that the Oz is almost more like their real life, and the scenes in the countryside are more fantastical in some ways. What with smaller Japanese families, and not many of not so many of these big huge families anymore. But uh, yeah, and I could I could see that. I could definitely see that where it is because, you know, the Japanese are, you know, their population is getting, you know, older and older and, you know, there's less young people and smaller. Yeah, I could see that. And just how much, you know, Japanese people are really addicted to their cell phones. Like most of our modern, you know, culture, if you've got a smartphone, you're, you know, it's attached not even just to your hip, it's attached to like your hand. Yeah. Like, it's, you just can't get rid of the thing. You want to keep updated. You want to no. keep connected. So I could... I'm saying, yeah, I'm nodding, that. but I'm one of the few holdouts in that area. Although I do have a cell phone. It's pretty damn cheap, and I hardly use it. Yeah. But, I need uh, to get a new one pretty soon, too. But I don't know if I want to get a smartphone or just a more advanced version of this, so... Yeah, and, once you go, and once you go to smartphone, you just cannot that's, go back. That's what I'm afraid yeah. of. Like you just cannot go back. Well, if I ever, like, 
seriously upgrade my phone, it will be to a smartphone. I'll be paying like four times as much as I do as a phone bill. And I'm not in a hurry to do that. Especially since I rarely use it. I mostly use But I am addicted to the internet. So... <laughs> but that's not about the film. The film was good. And you should watch it. You should buy it. And unlike our last review, this you is... can actually get a hold of this film for reasonable prices. Easy because to it find. just released thanks to Funimation. Easy to find. And you, you can find it on Blu-ray, you can find it on DVD, you can probably find it at Best Buy. And that's getting harder and harder. Yeah, yes. I, I think we are getting some DVD copies in at my Walmart even. Uh, not the Blu-rays though, sadly, because uh, you want to watch this on Blu-ray. You want to watch this on Blu-ray. You want to watch this, this on Blu-ray. This is gorgeous. You know, gorgeous it's, uh, on it's made for high def, it looks great in high def. It's there's no reason yeah. not to watch this it. This is theatrical animation, so it looks just glorious in 1080p. Yeah. Or 720p, or however P's you want to watch it in. It's gonna look good. And so that's Summer Wars. It's a mini wars of summer. Yes. And summer. Summer. Yeah. With that, we are Koi Koi. No, wait, I'm sorry, we can't be done. We haven't rated things awesomes out of awesomes. I forgot all about it until Kevin mentioned it. Yes. How many Koi Koi's out of awesome is this film, Kevin? Uh, All the Koi Koi's out of awesome. Excellent. Right. Koi Koi. How many Koi Koi's out of awesome? I'm going to bid everything I have 400 million Koi Koi's out of awesome, whatever God it is. damn, that's a lot of Koi Koi's. I know. I'm going to use the Koi Koi's from everybody in Germany. Because it's the Germans who saved the world. One little boy from Germany. Yeah, so one Koi Koi. That's all <laughs> this film is worth. But that's the Koi Koi that saves the world. So isn't that the worth the most of all? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Guten Tag. Zigaretten. Isn't it supposed to be Guten Nicht? Depends on when they listen. Yeah. Yeah. So whichever Guten is appropriate to your time zone. So I don't sprechen Sie Deutsch, so... So Guten Koi. 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 Metal Koi. Ooh. Metal Koi Koi. <laughs> koi Koi. Nazi Germany, Hitler and his armies march into Prussia. <laughs> <laughs>